Welcome back for another edition of the podcast. We're going to continue our series on the Ein Yaakov, the Agada, Moral Ethical Teachings of the Gemara. Continuing in Masechet Sanhedrin, Daf Lamed Ches, Amad Aleph, page 38a. Now the Gemara has begun discussing um, and analyzing the story of the origins of mankind, specifically the creation of Adam, first man. First human being. And so, the Gemara says as follows. Tanya hired a mayor, Emir. We learned in Abraisa, a mayor was wont to say, he would say this very often, We know that Hashem created Adam from the dust of the earth, formed the shape of a body out of earth, and then brought it to life. So where did that earth come from? So Ramir says that earth was, was gathered from various places in the world. It wasn't just from one spot. Um, as the verse states that um, King David writes about Hashem, your eyes beheld my unshaped form. And, So that's, there's a two-part proof to this idea. One part is that we have a verse that says Hashem's eyes beheld the unshaped form of man. And the second verse says, Hashem's eyes sweep over the entire earth. In other words, what, what is the scope of Hashem's vision? The, the scope of Hashem's field of vision, obviously, is the entire universe, and specifically the entire, the entire earth. So when we say that Hashem's eyes beheld my unshaped form, that could mean anywhere on earth. So from there we get the idea that Hashem took earth from all over the world, different parts of the world, in order to create Adam. So where exactly did it come from? The Gemara says, we have details. Amr Rav Aisha Mishmede Rav, Rav Aisha said the name of Rav, Adam Harishain Gufa Mibavil. That first man, Adam, his torso was created from earth of Babylonia. Um, his head was created from earth that came from Israel. His hands, his arms and legs, Arms and hands, legs and feet, were created from various other lands. Doesn't say exactly which one. Doesn't specify. Um, and then, one part of the body, the Gemara specifies, Agbaisov, his behind, was taken from the earth of Amr of Acha, may Akra de Agma, from a place called Akra de Agma, which is a very low-lying place in Babylonia. So that was the origin. Of Adam's behind. Amr Rabbi Yechon Barchanina, continuing along this idea, the story, the narrative of Adam's creation. There are 12 hours in the day. Halachically speaking, daytime um, is divided into 12 sections, and nighttime is divided into 12 sections. In other words, you might have on the clock 16 hours of nighttime. For example, right in the winter time, you have more than twelve hours of actual nighttime. But halachically speaking, for various purposes, we divide the total amount of nighttime into twelve equal portions, right? And those are called halachic hours. It's different than chronological hours on the clock. These are hours that are used for all sorts of halachic measurements. In other words, um, for example, you have to say the Shema in the morning before three hours go by in the day. That's not three hours from you know twelve a.m. It's three sections of daytime, which are divided equally into 12 equal sections. So there's 12 sections of the day, 
Um, the first hour, again, not necessarily 60 minutes on the clock, but the first section of daytime, of the first day of Adam's creation, that first day, Hashem gathered the dust to create him. The second hour, it was made, Hashem made it into a shapeless mass, just a pile of, uh, of earth. During the third hour, the limbs, his limbs were stretched out and, and formed distinctly. During the fourth hour, soul was cast into him, in other words, came alive. During the fifth hour, he stood upright on his feet. During the sixth hour, he named all the animals. Like the Torah describes that Hashem brought all the animals before Adam, and he's the one who gave them their names. He was able to perceive their spiritual root and give them an appropriate name. During the seventh hour, Chava, his wife, was paired with him. They got married, whatever that looked like exactly. But now they had husband and wife, man and woman. Shminis alulamita, shnaim arba. During the eighth hour, those two went into bed, and their two children came down from the bed within that hour. So miraculously, the the conception, pregnancy, and birth all took place in that one hour. This is where it gets interesting. During the ninth hour of the day, that's when Hashem commanded him not to eat from the tree of knowledge. Asiris Sarach, one hour later, the tenth hour, he sinned. You understand what happened here? The whole story of don't eat and eating took an hour. Huh? Yeah. Pretty crazy. It was all within an hour. Achas Esrei And During the eleventh hour, he was judged for his crimes. And during the 12th hour, he was banished, sent out of Gan Eden, went on his way. As it says in, the, in Tehillim, man does not remain overnight in a state of glory. And this is referring to Adam, who was created by God's own hands, so to speak, and yet couldn't maintain that lofty state of being for more than a few hours. Um, okay. A wild beast will never be able to dominate over a human being unless that human being appears to the animal to be like as an animal. That's the second half of that earlier verse we just quoted. Second half is that he, a human being, is ruled by animals when they appear to be like animals. So if you ever have an encounter with a wild beast of some kind, to try to uh, summon and, and identify with that which makes you most human. And hopefully the animal got the memo, and it knows that if you're dealing with a human being, it should defer to, uh, to you. Um, okay, now we have a few more teachings more ideas about Adam Harishan, first man. Amr Rav Yehuda Amar Rav, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, When Hashem, the Holy One, blessed be He, sought to create man, and sort of going through the primordial plan, first created a group of angels. And Hashem asked these angels, do you think it's a good idea to create man in our image. 
Amru Lefanam, so the angels replied, Master of the world, what is this being that you speak about? What's he going to do? So Hashem said, such and such will be his deeds. This is what he's going to do. And what did Hashem say? Like every human being, he'll do some good things, he'll do some not such good things. That's that's man. That's humanity. So the angel said, They quoted a verse. He said, Master of the universe, why would you uh, consider or remember frail human being and why would you be mindful of the son of mortal man rhetorical questions you don't need this in your life god what do you what do you need a flawed why would you create a flawed weak prone to mistake to prone to mistakes creature you have us perfect angels you have you perfect creator finished what do you need this mankind business for just a headache can't blame them, right? They have, they have a point. They have a point. What, that, what was Hashem's reaction to this theory? Hashem extended his little finger, the finger, this is all proverbial metaphorical speech, and consumed them. Bye bye. <laughs> such, a, such advice I don't need. The same thing happened. He created a second group of angels and they said the same thing. And the same thing happened to them. It's not the answer Hashem was looking for. Why does he need to consult with angels in the first place? Another question. This is a story. Then he created a third group. They said, Master of the universe. The first angels that spoke before you, in other words, the last two groups, what, what did they accomplish? They accomplished nothing. They, they were smart Alex, and they were consumed. So the angels, based, the third time, they're basically saying, we, we, we kind of get the hint. The entire world is yours. Whatever you wish to do in your world, do. We give you, quote-unquote, the, 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 our blessing, as weird as that might sound, for you to create man. So Hashem goes and creates man, right? Then, a few generations go by, and you get the generation of the great dispersion, when they tried to build the tower, and Hashem dispersed the people into different cultures, different languages. And you have the generation of the flood. So there are two generations that relatively quickly come along and are pretty corrupt, and pretty anti-God, and anti-God's plan. They were all corrupt. Amru Lefano, so these angels now come back to God. They say, uh, Master of the universe. Didn't the first angels speak correctly before you? They were right. Look, this is what they predicted. Right? They said, You don't need this. What? It's not worth it. Don't, like, in other words, to imply, like, maybe it was a mistake to create mankind. Maybe this whole experiment with humanity is a waste of time. Look how often they're going to disappoint you. Look how bad they're going to mess up. Why bother? There's a certain point. They're, they're, they're right on a certain level. In other words, just by pure logic, it makes sense. The, the justification for creating human beings is not so logical. It's more than logical. Which, by way of uh, you know, in, in extending that point and trigger warning, 
Um, but somebody who feels like they have to end their life, very often they're right. I'm not saying it's justified, but logically it's the, it's the, it's the right thing to do. Unless you have some greater than logical belief that tomorrow is going to be better than today. But if yesterday has been bad and the day before has been bad and nothing's going right, and you don't believe, again, supernatural, super logical belief, because you have no way of proving and no way of knowing that things will get better, it's just a belief, it's irrational faith that keeps you going. If your track record has been that life is painful and, and, and disappointing, and, and maybe even torturous and unbearable, then it makes a lot of sense. The only way to push back on that is to develop a connection with Hashem and a, and a, and a, a super rational faith that in the end it's worth it. That all the pain and suffering and agony and difficulty and challenge and stress and tension is worth it because it will get better and you will achieve and you will succeed. But you can't prove that right now. That's all in the future. So in a way, the angels are also saying like, look, one plus one equals two. Man is going to mess up probably more often than he'll get it right. So maybe this was a dumb idea. So what does Hashem respond to that? Hashem says, Amr lahen, Hashem responded to the angels, He quoted a verse, a verse in the book of Isaiah, which we say every day in Davening, at least in, at least in Nusach Hari. Nusach Ashkenaz doesn't always say this line, but he said the, the verse says, "Until old age, I am He." Hashem says, "I am, I am Me, I am God." Until hoariness, until he, until man gets old, I will bear him. In other words, no matter what, for as long as a person is alive, Hashem holds out hope, and Hashem is willing to tolerate the mess ups, because the cost benefit analysis is that when a person gets it right, it justifies and overrides all the mess-ups and mistakes they may have made up until then. And Hashem's plan includes a lot of tolerance and patience for our mess-ups, for our weaknesses, for our flaws. He designed us that way, so He can't really have that much of a claim against us. I mean, we try our best, but He knows exactly how He wired us to be weak in certain ways. He designed us. Each one of us has our own unique weaknesses, and He you have to you have to admit that Hashem, you know, had to had to be expecting a certain degree of failure from us until we start to get it right. And even then, there's so much more that we still get wrong, and so much more that we're not living up to our full potential, and we're doing our best. But it's you know, I don't think anybody would look themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm nailing it. I'm maximizing every bit of potential I have, not wasting time, not getting lost, not getting distracted, not being destructive for us. I'm totally a nonstop powerhouse of positive contributions to the world. You know? And, and Hashem knows that. And, and it's part of the deal of being a human being that, that there's going to be flaws, weaknesses, mess-ups, sins, mistakes. And our job is not to let that get to us to the point of giving up, not to let that disturb us or distract us from our mission. And at every given moment, to, to refocus and, and, and get back on track of whatever we're here to do. The Rebbe once, once wrote to somebody that a person should always be happy. Why? Either you should be happy because you're doing the right thing, you're serving Hashem, and you're carrying out your mission in this world, which is great reason to be happy. 
And if you're not, that means you just woke up and realized that you're off track, so now you can do teshuva, you can get back on track, so you should be happy about that. So no matter what's going on in your life, you can be happy. And that's sort of the attitude. Either you're living in the light, or if you're not living in the light, then you just realize that. So now you can start to get back. So the process of getting back also has to be done happily. So you'll be happy about that too. <clears throat> I think we will break here and continue the discussion with more teachings about Adam tomorrow.